Harvey Danger and Chris Isaac just said, there's a lot of wicked games and a lot of paranoia that has come about recently that have made me think about some famous events throughout history. And there were there are two episodes that I've done more specifically on these episodes. So I'm not going on these on these subjects. So I'm not going to get in depth into them as much as I did. Uh, about the Dyatlov Pass, D-Y-A-T-L-O-V, the Dyatlov Pass and the Tunguska event. A lot of this has to do with just mysterious, I guess, kind of occultish sort of things that's very, very interesting. And a lot of what they thought, a lot of what scientists have thought have led specifically to the occurrence of the Dyatlov Pass or what led to the Dyatlov Pass happening the way it did, the behavior of the students, was something that's called infrasound. And I wondered what that is. And I wanted to do a little bit of research and do another episode on it. And I'm going to try and get into infrasound. I don't want to get too nerdy and get too scientific for people. But I'm going to get into that, but I'm going to touch on what the Dyatlov Pass was, briefly. Uh, like I said, go back into the previous episodes and listen to the full episodes on the incidences themselves. <clears throat> but the Dyatlov Pass was an event in, w- in which nine Russian hikers died in the northern Ural Mountains between February 1st and 2nd of 1959 in uncertain circumstances. The experienced trekking group from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, led by Igor Dyatlov, had established a camp on the eastern slopes of Kolat, Sa- of Kolat Sayakal. During the night, something caused them to cut their way out of the tent and flee the campsite. While inadequately dressed for the heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures. That is... And a lot of people have wondered, that's the DLF Pass, and a lot of people have wondered what what could have possibly caused that. A lot of it is like aliens, a lot of uh, mysterious things. And a lot of, like I said earlier, scientists have thought that what could have caused it was infrasound. And the Tunguska event was a 12 megaton explosion that occurred near the Tunguska River in a, in a government in Russia on the morning of June 30th, 1908. The explosion over the sparsely populated eastern Siberian taiga flattened an estimated 80 million trees over an area of 830 square miles of forest and eyewitness reports suggest that at least three people may have died in the event. The explosion is generally attributed to a meteor airburst. 
the atmospheric explosion of a stormy meteorite, meteoroid about 50 to 60 meters or 160 to 200 feet in size. The meteoroid approached from the east-southeast and likely with a relatively high speed of about 60,000 miles per hour. It is classified as an impact event, even though no impact crater has ever been found. The object is thought to have dis disintegrated at an altitude of 3 to 6 miles rather than to have hit the surface of the Earth. Now, both of those, both of those events are very, very intriguing, very, very interesting, and they think, a lot of scientists have think, think that specifically with Dyatlov, a lot of scientists have think that infrasound may have played a part in it. And maybe during the Tunguska explosion, it might have caused infrasound, or infrasound might have come from as a result of the explosion. And I've wondered, like I said earlier, what is infrasound? What could it be, and what could have caused it? And it's interesting... I had a lot of this, I, some of this I know, it's a lot of this I tried to remember as best as I could, so I had to take notes. And a lot of this I had to refer to different Russian sources and different Russian articles, and my Wikipedia, of course, is where I always like to go. But infrasound is sometimes referred to as low-frequency sound. It describes sound waves with a frequency below the lower limit of, hu of human audibility generally 20 hertz. Hearing becomes gradually less sensitive as frequency decreases, so for humans to perceive infrasound, the sound pressure must be, a, but must be sufficiently high. The ear is the primary organ for sensing low sound, but at higher, by higher intensities, it is possible to feel infrasound vibrations in various parts of the body. What they think is that something, something in the distant areas of the different reaches or what they couldn't see of the Ural Mountains caused an infrasound occurrence. And what might have happened is that it might have caused uh, an infrasound occurrence that was, that was above the audibility or in that, in that range where certain vibrations affected various parts of the body. And at the time, when the Dyatlov incident occurred, they couldn't perceive what infrasound was. They didn't know what it was or didn't know anything about it. So they didn't know what was happening. They, they suspected that they were being attacked by something they couldn't see, by bears, by wildlife that they didn't know of in that area. Or maybe it was something supernatural or something out of this world that they didn't quite understand and they were being assaulted or attacked by it in ways they didn't understand and they had to get away from it and it may be perceived to them that it was occurring inside their own tent or inside their own immediate area and they had to flee it. The study of such sound waves is sometimes referred to as infrasonics covering sounds between 20 hertz down to 0.1 hertz. People use the f this frequency range for monitoring earthquakes and volcanoes, charting rock and petroleum formations below the earth, and also in ballistics, also in ballistocardiography, and I know that's a big word, <laughs> ballistocardiography and seismocardiography to study the mechanics of the heart. 
Infrasound is characterized by an ability to get around obstacles with little dissipation. In Sorry, I had a, I had a I had an itch that was just driving me nuts. So I had to get that's my mind of right a, a little weird rubbing sound. It was me itching my nose, so I apologize. See it happened again, but that time that time I tried to hide it, so thanks for bearing with me, I apologize. In music, acoustic waveguide methods, such as large pipe organ, or for reproduction, exotic loudspeaker designs, such as transmission lines, rotary roofer, rot rotary roofer, rotary, yeah, rotary roofer, rotary woofer, or traditional subwoofer designs, can produce low-frequency sounds, including near infrasound. Subwoofers designed to produce infrasound are capable of sound reproduction an octave or, or, or more below that of most commercially available subwoofers and are often at 10 times below the size. The Allies of World War I first used infrasound to locate artillery. One of the pioneers in infrasonic research was French scientist Vladimir Gavreau. His interest in infrasonic waves first came about in his laboratory during the 1960s, when he and his laboratory assistants experienced shaking laboratory equipment and pain in the eardrums. But his microphones did not detect an audible sound. He concluded it was infrasound caused by a large fan and duct system. And duct system. Yeah, a bunch of ducks quack, 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 waddling around. A duct system. And soon got to work preparing tests in the laboratories. One of his experiments was an infrasonic whistle. An, oversi an oversized organ pipe. What they're saying is basically, it, it's kind of, it explains the behavior of the Dyatlov hikers. That something occurred... What's most like what they're saying is infrasound. Something occurred that that they were aware of, that their bodies felt, and were consciously aware of something, but they couldn't identify it. They couldn't they couldn't detect it auditorily. Detect it. Infrasound can result from both natural and man-made sources. Natural events. Infrasonic sound sometimes results naturally from severe weather, surf, lee waves, avalanches, earthquakes, volcanoes, bolides, waterfalls, calving of icebergs, aurorae, meteorites, meteor, meteorites. Why can't I say the word meteors? That's what I was trying to dig up, but I can't get it. See, meteors, the Tunguska event. Lightning and upper atmospheric lightning. Non-linear ocean wave interactions in ocean storms produce pervasive infrasound vibrations around 0.2 hertz, known as microbarums. According to the Infrasonics Program at NOAA, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, infrasonic arrays can be used to locate avalanches in the Rocky Mountains and to detect tornadoes in the high plains several, several minutes before they touch down. Animal communication. 
whales, elephants, hippopotamuses, rhinoceroses, giraffes, okapis, peacocks, and alligators are known to use infrasound to communicate over distances, up to hundreds of miles in the case of whales. Something else now that I just that just popped into my head that that um I don't know why this reminded me because this is not has nothing to do with well maybe in a slight part it does. There's nothing real anything to do with infrasound is echolocation. And you know people um bats and dolphins use echolocation. It's the thought is or it's the principle of emitting a sound and and hearing the sound bounce off objects that are in a room near you or near near the animal. And that's how bats and dolphins can can help detect where they are through echolocation. Now, it's been said several times that there are three three known species on earth that communicate very frequently with echolocation. Not all the species all the species are 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 not aware one of the species isn't aware that they do it that they do it a lot um the other two species do it automatically so they're not aware that they're doing it it's just like involuntary <clears throat> dolphins bats and humans all three of them echolocate what i what i mean by when i say humans <clears throat> is this picture yourself going into a room or a dark room uh that's either unfamiliar to you or that is mildly loosely familiar to you you're you're in a dark room and there's nothing it's just dark and you know by standing in that room you know there are things around you you know there's a bed near you there's a dresser or near you there's a chair near you. you know that you know there's things near you but you don't know exactly where they are in relation to where you are so what a human being will do is they use the, they do the same thing that bats and dolphins do. If you're in an unfamiliar area and you can't see where you are, one of the easiest ways to figure that out is to emit a sound. It's to make, make, make a chirp or a sound and kind of, I'm going to pull the mic away from my voice here when I do this. Is Like I said, to emit a sound like, kind of like that. And you can tell. By where what your ears can your ears can detect it when it goes into your ears and the vibrations, you can detect by the vibrations that come back to you where you are in relation to a wall or to the chair, and like I said, people do it. People do it so much, but they're never aware that they're doing it. They're just it. They're never, or maybe they know that they're they've done it, but they can't put a name to it, so they don't know what it is. So yeah, and I, that so this this thing talking about infrasound made me think of echolocation, and that just brought that up. That's just something that that's been sitting in the back of my head, and something that just popped out to me. But in particular, the Sumatran rhinoceros has been shown to produce sounds with frequencies as low as three hertz, which have similarities with the song of humpback whales. The roar of the of the tiger contains infrasound of 18 hertz and lower, and the purr of felines is reported to cover a range of 20 to 50 hertz. It has also been suggested that 
migration migrate migratory migratory birds use naturally generated infrasound from sources such as turbulent airflow over mountain ranges as a navigational aid infrasound also may be used for long distance communication especially well documented in baleen whales and African elephants. The frequency of baleen whale sounds can range from 10 hertz to 31 kilohertz, and that of elephant calls from 15 hertz to 35 hertz. Both can, both can be extremely loud, allowing communication for many kilometers, with a possible maximum range of around 10 kilometers or 6 miles for elephants and potentially hundreds of thousands of kilometers for some whales. Elephants also produce infrasound waves that may be separated by hundreds of kilometers. These calls may be used to coordinate the movement of herds and allow mating elephants to find each other. Human singers, some vocalists including Tim Storms, can produce notes on the infrasound range. Human-created sources can be generated human created sources oh in human created sources infrasound can be generated by human processes such as sonic booms and explosions or by machinery such as diesel engines wind turbines and, and specifically specially designed mechanical transducers certain specialized loudspeaker designs are also able to reproduce extremely low frequencies these include large-scale rotary woofer models of subwoofer loudspeakers, as well as large horn-loaded bass reflex sealed and transmission line loudspeakers. 20 Hz is considered the normal low-frequency limit of human hearing. When pure sine waves are reproduced under ideal conditions at, a very, at very high volumes, a human listener will be able to identify tones as low as 12 Hz. Below 10 Hz, it is possible to perceive the single cycles of the sound along with a sensitive a pressure, a sensation, well, along with a sensation of pressure in the eardrums. From about 1000 Hz, the dynamic range of the auditory system decreases with decreasing frequency. This, comp this, com this compression is observable in the equal loudness level contours, and it m implies that even a slight increase in level can change the perceived loudness from being barely audible to extremely loud. Combined with a natural spread of combined, combined with a natural spread in thresholds within a population, its effect may be that a very low-frequency sound, which is inaudible to some people, may be loud to others. That's also theorized that sound differs to, to the human ear as the human being ages. So what may seem, what may seem quiet or what may seem loud to someone at a young age maybe softer or quieter to someone as they age because they're hearing they become harder of hearing 
or what may be seem what may seem normal voice or regular sound to someone at a very young age may seem like someone's being screamed at or they're screaming at someone or some something is screaming at them as they age so because of the fact that human hearing is biological the and the and the human hearing can change that is that can change the perceptions of sound and infrasound and infrasound can do things differently to an older person to people as they age an older person than they can to to younger peoples and it it just differs it's it's a widely varying thing combined with the naturals combined with the natural spread in thresholds within a population its effect may be that a very low frequency sound may which is inaudible say i just mentioned that which is inaudible inaudible to some may be loud to others one study has suggested that infrasound may cause feelings of awe or fear in humans bingo right there the explanation for the dialof pass one of the expl- explanations because they're still not sure exactly what occurred it's still a mystery a great mystery it, it, it's a true story it's a great mystery that w- of what happened or what could have happened it has also been suggested that since it is not cons- consciously perceived it may make people feel vaguely that odd or supernatural events are taking place see backing up infrasound in dialogue again again see it may make people feel vaguely that odd and supernatural events are taking place that see it's seeing that what what was simply infrasound a simple thing that occurred in the ural mountains was just perceived to be something different it was perceived to be supernatural or threatening and odd and a scientist working at sydney's at sydney university's auditory neuroscience laboratory reports reports growing evidence that infrasound may affect some people's nervous systems by stimulating the vestibular system and this has shown in animal models an effect similar to seasickness another explanation in research conducted in 2000 in 2006 on the impact of sound em- sound emissions from wind turbines on the nearby population perceived infrasound has been associated to to effects effects such as annoyance or fatigue depending on its intensity with little evidence supporting psychological or physiological effects of infrasound below the human perception threshold later studies however have linked inaudible infrasound to to effects such as fullness pressure or tinnitus if tonight what tinnitus is if you ever hear ringing in your ears that's tinnitus and acknowledged the possibility that it could con- that it could disturb sleep this is as i'm as i've known as i know some of this as i'm reading through it in my notes it's further it's just supporting what scientists have assumed and what scientists think happened in 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 the Dyatlov Pass in the Ural Mountains. It's 
Other studies have also suggested associations between noise levels in turbines and self-reported sleep disturbances in the nearby population, while adding that the, contrib the contribution of infrasound to this effect is still not fully understood. In a study at Ibaraki University in Japan, sorry for butchering that name, researchers said EEG tests showed that the infrasound produced by wind turbines was considered to be an annoyance to the, to the technicians who were close to a modern large-scale wind turbine. I believe his name, I'm, I'm sorry for mispronouncing this, Jürgen Altman of the Dortmund University of Technology, an expert on sonic weapons, has said that there is no reliable evidence for a nausea and vomiting caused by infrasound. They think that while infrasound doesn't have an immediate physical response or immediate physiological reaction in the people that it affects, it has more of a physical, not physical, it has more of a mental and emotional effect, fear and stuff like that. Now, and that, again, going back to saying it explains Dialov, furthermore explains Dialov Pass. High volume levels at concerts, sorry, had an eye itch in my eye there, and it's causing me to be hard, be, able, be hard to see my notes. High volume levels at concerts from subwoofer arrays have been cited as causing lung collapse in, in individuals who are very close to the subwoofers, especially for smokers who are particularly tall and thin. Air is, very, is a very inefficient medium for transferring low-frequency vibrations from a transducer to the human body. This itch is being, it's driving me nuts here. Sorry, everyone. It's driving me bananas. <laughs> I lost my spot, bear with me. Mechanical connection of the vibration source to the human body, however, provides a potentially dangerous combination. The U.S. space program, worried about the harmful effects of rocket flight on astronauts, ordered vibration tests that use cockpit seats mounted on vibration tables to transfer, bra to transfer brown note and other frequencies directly to the human subjects. <coughs> Very high power levels of 160 decibels were achieved at frequencies of 2 to 3 hertz. Test frequencies ranged from 0.5 hertz to 40 hertz. Test subjects suffered motor, motor ataxia, nausea, visual disturbance, degrading degraded task performance, and difficulties in communication. These tests are assumed by researchers to be the nucleus of the current urban myth. In February 2005, the television show Mythbusters... Why did I have trouble with that word? In, in 2005, the television show Mythbusters used 12, 12 Meyer Sound 700... 700 HP subwoofers, a model and quantity that has been employed for major rock concerts. 
now operating frequency range now operating frequency range of the selected subwoofer models model was 20, 28 hertz to 150 hertz by the 12 by the 12 but the 12 enclosures and mythbusters had been specially modified for a deeper bass extension Roger Schwenke and John Mayer directed the Mayer sound team in devising a subwoofer's tuning ports or the in devising a special test sorry I jumped ahead accidentally <laughs> sorry in directing the Meyer sound team in in devising a special test rig that would produce very high sound levels at infrasonic frequencies the subwoofer's tuning ports were blocked and their import cards were altered the modified cabinets were positioned in an open ring configuration four stacks of three subwoofers each test signals were generated by a sim 3 audio analyzer with its software modified to produce infrasonic tones a buell a buell and kjaer i'm gonna butcher that word sound level analyzer fed with an fed with an attenuated signal from a model 4189 measurement microphone displayed in a recorded sound pressure levels the host on the sh the host on the show tried a tried a series of frequencies attaining a level of 120 decibels of sound pressure at frequencies above 20 hertz but the rumored physiological effects did not materialize the the test subjects all reported some physical anxiety and shortness of breath even a small amount of nausea but this was the, was dismissed by the hosts noting that the sound at the frequency and intensity moves air rapidly in and out of one's lungs the show declared the brown note myth busted infrasound is one of the hypotho hypo hypothesized causes of death of the nine hikers in the Diablo Pass incident there is a lot there's a lot and go back to the previous episode where I where I talked about the Diablo Pass and also the Tunguska event both are extremely wildly wildly interesting and you can hear more more specifically about what occurred in those events and what detailed and a bit more detail on the events themselves i just wanted to do something to dig into infrasound as much as i could and maybe enlighten people on what a, one of the hypothesized causes of the dl pass was it's just wildly entertaining and wildly interesting to me and thank you all so much for sticking around for me with me for as long as you have as long as you can and it was wonderful. And stick around for a little bit more in the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review. and Give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want 
want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere, go to Atlantic City, Disney, Six Flags, all along the Atlantic City boardwalk, and go to Vegas. Check out the New York channel, N-U-Y-A-W-K, on YouTube. You will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained. You will love every second of what you're seeing. Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the greatest storytelling podcast out there? Want to ride to Hogwarts with Hagrid? Check out Common Room Talk on all the major podcast platforms. Tony tells you a story that will pull you in. You will be impressed and you will love it all the time. Thank you.